Welcome into the 49er Access Podcast. My name is Sterling Bennett, and right now, as we speak, the NFL Combine has tipped off. They're doing measurables, getting all the draftable players, all the prospects, getting their wingspan, their height, their speed. But with the NFL Combine comes the rumor mill. Comes, well, really... A plethora of small little tidbits of news. Brandon Ayuk still a free agent, or I guess on a fifth-year option, trying to resign him. But with that said, John Lynn spoke a handful of days ago to the media, the national media, but spoke to the local media, which brought us arguably the biggest news thus far of the offseason. Today we're going to, re- to be reacting to San Francisco Chronicle Mike Silver's article in which he detailed and reported that the San Francisco 49ers could be looking to make a splash, whether via the draft, via free agency, which could include trading away one of their top stars and maybe even acquiring one elsewhere. So, Let's talk about what John Lynch said at the Combine. That's where all this starts. What did John Lynch say at the Combine? I have the quote in front of me. I want to go after it being the Super Bowl every year. I know that's the way we as an organization rule. That's how we think. They want to grab the brass ring and get that sixth Lombardi trophy. Now, continuing John Lynch's quote here, at some point, you've got to have some years you take off, and you kind of sit on your hands and try to be creative in how you can improve your team, but we're always trying to improve the team. Essentially, what John Lynch is saying here is like, yes, we want to be aggressive, we want to make these moves, we are willing to make these moves, even if it means at the cost of trading somebody away, but we have to get creative in some years because sometimes you just can't make a splashy move. Uh, 2021 for San Francisco. Outside of Trey Lance, there really wasn't a big-name free agent signing. If you want to classify Mooney Ward in 2022, sure. Of course, you have Javon Hargrave last year, but there have been some years in which this team does take an off-season off to recalibrate. Either they have to pay too many people via the salary cap or... They just find themselves not liking a free agent or just not finding something that really grabs them to make a move for. But then you get to what Mike Silver had to say following John Lynch's uh, press conference with the media. Here is Mike Silver's quote. There's a handful of them here. Then we'll dive into what does this quote mean? Who could they be targeting and who might they be potentially trading away if something does indeed come up. The quote from Mike Silver here reads, More likely, Shanahan and Lynch will fight through their shared trauma, get off the mat, and come out swinging. Something that could lead to aggressive moves in the draft and free agency and result in potential trades. Make no mistake, with a star quarterback, Brock Purdy, on a rookie deal and a rapidly rising salary cap, The Niners are in it to win it once more in 2024. We've talked this whole year, whether it was OTAs, minicamp, even after losing the Super Bowl, that this window, albeit you have Brock Purdy, is going to be longer and last longer than you thought it was if Brock Purdy is a star quarterback in in which we think he is. But this core is aging. Injuries occur. 
Uh, these next two years could be Trent Williams' last. We talked about you had to win this year or next year if you wanted to grab that brass ring and actually win the whole thing. Um, I do think that for San Francisco, knowing this core is aging, they continue to want to push the envelope. They continue to want to strike while the iron is hot. Could that mean moving off one of their top stars? Mike Silver continues here. However, you can bet that Shanahan and Lynch are scheming. Tough decisions might be coming, possibly involving productive players who've had a big role in the franchise's recent run of success. So what does that mean? Well, what it means is, hey, DeForest Buckner, we had to trade you a handful of years ago. That stung. That was a tough decision to be made, but for the betterment of the team, probably the right one. Now take it to this year. Who are some people that either their production has declined, the money, the contract is fits moving off of now? There are a handful of players on this roster that fit that mold of, we could afford to lose you and not lose too much. Um, I do think for San Francisco this offseason... This is a massive one. Not only do you have to bring back Brandon Ayuk, you got to re-sign Jawan Jennings, but you also find yourself maybe more maybe more willing now to be, make an aggressive move and trade one of your stars away if it means one saving money, bringing back the necessary draft capital to improve the overall team, not just that player's position, but maybe even make your team younger in the process. Now, San Francisco has eleven draft picks including a first and second rounder. They have the necessary picks to get younger, to bolster this roster, and I think you and I would agree here that this is arguably the most important draft since, what, 2021? 2020, maybe? Like, 2020, that was the Trey Lance here. You had to hit on that quarterback. Now, you got saved by Brock Purdy, but this is an older roster. Greg Greenlaw's already hurt. Trent Williams' ankle is holding on by a thread. You just don't know who is going to be as productive for you next year as they were this year, right? You have to hit on a lot of these picks. You missed on Cam Latu. You missed on Trey Lance. You missed on Danny Gray and Trey Sermon and Ty Davis-Price. Picks that would have uh, allowed your roster to be better overall. Maybe you wouldn't have an issue of who's our cornerback number two outside of Mooney Ward, uh, Mooney Ward and Lenore. Maybe you wouldn't have questions of we have to improve the right side of the offensive line if you hit on some of these picks or you drafted better elsewhere. But here's the thing. Mike Silver continues once again. According to organizational sources, many tough conversations are already being contemplated. Okay, again, we already mentioned Buckner. What does that mean? Many tough conversations are already being had. That means trading away your favorite player. That means releasing, cutting your favorite player. That means maybe your favorite player, maybe one of this team's best players, is on the outs, on the fritz. That can mean one of these teams' locker room leaders might have to be putting out the door. Now, is that going to sting? Yeah, it always does. But you know what else also stings? Losing two Super Bowls. Now, I don't want to see anybody on this team go. This roster is stacked. I can guarantee you... If you took the exact same roster this year and put it up against anybody next year, it's still going to be one of the tops in the NFL. 
Like, other teams are going to lose their stars as well. Teams always shift and change how they make their roster construction. Some teams are going to get better. Some teams are going to get worse. There's no promise for tomorrow. We cannot even be alive tomorrow, right? But what this means is San Francisco is starting their recalibration process. They know some of these guys are getting older. But who exactly? Who could be one of those players, maybe two of those players, they decide to move off of? Before we get into that, I do want to say, please don't forget to like, share, subscribe. Hit that like button. It helps a ton. It's a free and easy way to help the show. You can follow us on social media at 49ers underscore access is the X or Twitter. 49ers dot access is the Instagram. Do you want to get to a comment here by Kali? Uh, Kali Young says, Sterling, I love your passion. You showed after the postgame show when we lost the Super Bowl. It was heartbreaking, but we share the same passion. Luckily, <laughs> losing that game broke my heart. I've seen three of them in a row. Thank you for joining us today. That passion is going to continue all offseason long until we get that Super Bowl in our hands. It's never going away. We're going to be here until you reach the pinnacle of the NFL and actually end the season <laughs> with the Lombardi Trophy next to our name. Uh, Klee also says here, could it be Kyle Juszczyk? Could Kyle Juszczyk be a name that we see that, oh, it's a fullback? Not the, let's say, not the most premier position. So let's dive into exactly again who these players could be. Uh, I want to cross off players it's not going to be. You're not moving off of Trent Williams. You want to protect Brock Purdy's blind side as long as you can. Um, Trent's also the best left tackle in football. He just really is. Um, he's older. He's aging. But if you, if if anybody, if you trade away Trent Williams, yikes! You are asking for trouble. Asking for trouble. Um, you are weakening your offensive line. So Trent Williams is going nowhere. You don't trade Hall of Fame talent at the end of their career when they're still at the top of their game. You just don't do it. Uh, Christian McCaffrey's going nowhere. Offensive player of the year, running back. We saw what he did to the offense the past two seasons. McCaffrey's going nowhere. Uh, he is your offense right now. Uh, Fred Warner, especially Greg Greenlaw being out, but especially because Fred Warner is the best linebacker in football, not trading him away. You want to keep your cornerstones. And I also think you're not trading away Mooney Ward. I do think Mooney Ward is a player you want to extend. He's 27 years old, has one year left on his contract. You want to bring him back. You don't want to have him hitting free agency after the end of the year. Uh, you want to extend him, re-sign him, lower that cap hit, get rid of his void years he currently has on his contract. You want to extend Mooney Ward, keep him in-house, and keep your number one lockdown cornerback in the building. Okay, those are four players you want to keep. The question is, what about George Kittle? Okay. George Kittle is someone that is probably the second best tight end in the entire league behind Travis Kelsey, number two tight end, right? Um, but there are some things that might lead people to saying, well, let's trade George Kittle. And let's be honest here. Uh, this is not the first time his name has come up in these conversations. Um, I think the way George Kittle is utilized in big games makes fans very, very angry. Uh, both Super Bowls, George Kittle's been the inline tight end, and this past one was basically a non-factor outside of what one fourth down catch. Um, he did nothing. He did nothing. Um, that's not all his fault. It's just the way the scheme is, how bad the offensive line has been in both their Super Bowls on the right side, keeps Kittle as the inline tight end, and they force him to play that sixth offensive lineman to protect Brock Purdy. 
But continuing here, uh, he's going into his age 31 season, and San Francisco has been trying to add a second tight end since 2020. Whether it's Charlie Warner, Cam Latu, Braden Willis, they want to bring another tight end in the building. Um, I have not looked at every single free agent tight end. Uh, I know uh, John U. Smith just got cut by the Falcons. That's a name I think would be good for them. He'd be a great red zone offensive player for them. Could also block here or there, but also just alleviate George Kittle's need to be the sixth offensive lineman. You want to utilize his receiver skills. In what world what, is he a better receiving tight end and can break records with Nick Mullins and not Brock Purdy in the biggest game. It's frustrating for many fans, including myself, to watch George Kittle and Brock Purdy have insane chemistry with their time on the field, but not see it utilized in the playoffs a lot. It's frustrating. How do you do that? You either strengthen your offensive line, or you get a tight end number two to make sure Kittle gets to be the receiving threat he is. Um, you can also save... $7 million if you trade George Kittle post June 1st. Now, let's be honest here. Of the players I have listed, George Kittle's not the one you're probably going to want to move off of. Premier player, uh, not a premier position, but look at how the NFL is trending. Travis Kelsey, Sam Laporta, George Kittle, Mark Andrews. Teams that are up and coming or have been successful have star tight ends. Brock Bowers, arguably this this draft's best offensive weapon not named Marvin Harrison Jr. He's going to pick in that first round. Why? Because teams want tight ends that are receivers that can also block. They want these premier, albeit young, tight ends to be a mainstay in the offense. I don't think George Kittle's going anywhere. You can save some money here or there, but there is no solution behind him. You're going to find here that you're not going to find a George Kittle in the draft. Now, Defensive linemen we've seen in San Francisco under Kyle Shanahan can easily, albeit sometimes tumultuous, <laughs> can be replaced. You have Nick Bosa, your cornerstone player. Opposite of him, you have Drake Jackson and really nobody else. Robert Bill Jr. is there. Great. But what about the guys on the inside? Okay. You have Eric Armstead, which... Eric Armstead, like George Kittle, going into his age 31 season. But unlike George Kittle, who seems to play every single game, minus what, two in 2022, the first couple games of the year, he's been healthy almost his entire tenure in San Francisco. Never had a catastrophic injury, never torn something. Uh, he's only missed a handful of games his entire career. That's not Eric Armstead. Eric Armstead, 31 years old. He's missed 13 games the past two seasons. A said he had, what, a torn meniscus this year? Uh, which, that stinks. I have had those. You can play on those, albeit it's not the smartest thing to do. But the bigger issue is the plantar fasciitis. Uh, that is a nagging, never-going-away injury. Now, I get Eric Armstead, locker room leader, veteran player, been here since the beginning. You kept him over Buckner to just make fans more pissed. But here's the kicker. He plays a defensive tackle position, he misses time, he's aging with a nagging injury, and this year, you could 
save $8 million if traded after June 1st. Now, I'll have a massive dead cap hit in 2025, but if you're looking at extending or signing players for a one-year hit, bang, want to win something this year, which I think they do want to do, but if you're valuing a one-year, you know, go all in again like you were last year, could moving Eric Armstead make sense, knowing that you could find, albeit not similar, you can find somewhat of his production in this year's draft class. Maybe that's an option. Uh, I do think Armstead may be a candidate to be traded. Um, again, you don't want to move these guys. But I do think of the pieces, of, of your Trents, your Kittles, your Mooney Wards, your Fred Warners, Eric Armstead, because that cap is so high, you can move off of a player that's pretty frequently injured. And even when he came back this past season, uh, the run defense was taking a hit. He wasn't 100%. And can you count on somebody that you may like as a person, the locker room might love, but ultimately you're better off moving off of in the future. Um, I do think Armstead fits that mold, albeit again, you don't want to trade these guys, but he could indeed fit that mold. And I would assume a team, pick anybody, uh, people are going to value Eric Armstead, especially a younger team. Like I think of like, I have no idea what teams want to do in the draft so far, but I think of teams like the Giants, think of teams like the Dolphins, think of teams like the Jaguars. Teams that have a younger defense, that need stars, that want to make a splash. And there are others out there. There's only a few in my head right now. But Armstead would fit those teams of, hey, come be a presence. You can make a statement. You can also be a piece in our defense. Kind of that cherry on top of what we're trying to do here on those said teams. But I do think you can net, what, a third round pick, second round pick for Armstead. That all depends on how much money you want to eat and whatnot. But I do think Armstead makes a lot of sense to get moved this offseason. But how about the guy next to him? What about Javon Hargrave? Javon Hargrave. Um, I know what you're thinking. They just signed him. <laughs> they just signed this guy last offseason. You're already thinking about trading the guy away? Moving off of the guy? Seriously? It's like, he is your DeForest Buckner 2.0. He is the guy you brought in because you know you made a mistake trading Buckner and drafting Kinlaw. He is the guy you brought in to be the next piece on the puzzle that is your defensive line. Why would you trade him? He's 31 years old. They would save $4 million this season after June 1st if he's indeed traded. But here's the thing. You would save $15 million in 2025 and $17 million in 2026 compared to cap hit and cap savings. He had seven sacks this year. That's not 11 like he had two years ago. Run defense was inconsistent. And again, I get it. I'm not vouching to trade him. I'm just saying, when you talk about a player making a lot of money, you can get probably a second round pick for, and you can save money in the meantime and fill that position with either a younger player or a cheaper veteran option with a similar production, Hargrave could be an option. Do you want to trade someone that played almost the whole year that was an Iron Man for you, that next Eric Armstead? Uh, you'd rather keep Hargrave over Armstead? Of course you would. Of course you would. But if you're a team like San Francisco, like Mike Silver said, having these tough conversations, um, I would like to think one of the tough conversations is, hey, uh, I know it has got this guy. We like this guy. But 
maybe we can make some changes, improve the secondary, add an edge rusher with that same money, and have money the next few seasons. Because look, Brock Purdy getting paid soon. Brock Purdy has one more year until he gets paid. They know they're going to have to free up money to pay Brock Purdy. Now, this could be do no, change nothing this year. It could be trading players next year. It could be cutting players next year. Fine. San Francisco's always thinking ahead. Now, there's other options here. You can restructure guys. You can extend players. Mooney Ward, Kyle Juszczyk, Debo Samuel. You can always maneuver the cap. I'm someone who doesn't buy into the idea of, well, they're cap strung. They can't do anything. That's not how the NFL works. You can pay anybody you choose to pay. Now, most teams value other positions more than others. Most teams don't want to pay two receivers $20 million on average per year. San Francisco might find themselves doing so. Where does San Francisco value their roster? It's always been the trenches out. Would they want to move Hargrave to pay for a right tackle, to, to pay for a right guard and a cheaper edge rusher opposite Bosa? I'm not saying I would do that. I'd much, much rather get rid of Armstead than Hargrave, but it certainly is an option. Uh, Bobo here says, and Bobo, you're always listening and watching. Thank you so much. I believe Ayuk and Armstead will be the big name to go. I uh, already mentioned Armstead. Uh, I don't think Brandon Ayuk is going anywhere. I already talked about the last show that when you listen to what John Lynch says about Brandon Ayuk and Brock Purdy, Brock Purdy, they want to build around Brock Purdy. How do you build around Brock Purdy? Well, you can draft guys, certainly. Or you can re-sign your best offensive receiver. That's Brandon Ayuk. Uh, the way Lynch said, they want Ayuk here for a long time. Uh, sure, words only matter when it compared to your actions. Your actions could say, eh, well, we're going to trade you. Like, But San Francisco is not one to backtalk. They're not one to say one thing and then betray you the next... They're not going to go out there and pull a Judas and trade you for 30 pieces of silver. That's not John Lynch. That's not San Francisco. But I do think for a player like Hargrave and Armstead, um, there, I'm sure, are at least those conversations being had. I'm sure Parag's in there, Jed York's in there, uh, Kyle and John are talking, hey, we have you know, X, Y, and Z coming up. How do we turn one player into three or four? Can we better our roster in doing so? And we'll dive into some free agents later. Um, but I do think one thing you have to keep in mind is we have no idea who this team's defensive coordinator is going to be. Uh, Brandon Staley's out there. They just interviewed who Dave Merritt from the Chiefs. Maybe he doesn't like Hargrave. Maybe he doesn't like Armstead. Maybe he doesn't see value in them and says, hey, I can turn three or four of these guys into that productive player easily. I can add depth here and we can figure this thing out elsewhere. Who knows? Uh, I would like to think there's a lot of conversations being had behind the scenes of, okay, look, you know, is our defensive coordinator going to determine how our roster is constructed? Um, I think Lynch hinted towards that answer yesterday, a couple days ago. There's a reason they haven't hired a DC yet. Um, if they care that much about, you know, bringing in defensive coordinators early and hiring someone quickly here, uh, they fired Wilkes in like two days after the Super Bowl and then released Isaiah Oliver like a week later. 
It was bang, bang, gone. Now, that may have been to get rid of every you know, semblance of Steve Wilkes in that room, sure, but the Combine's now. They don't have a hire yet. Shanahan said they wanted to get this thing figured out by the end of the week. Well, it's Thursday. Now, they have Friday and Saturday still, too, but I'm assuming they want that guy in the building as soon as they possibly can. Uh, maybe the candidate they want, maybe it's Jeff Ulbrich, and Jets are like, sorry, dude, no. Like, I do have to wonder, what's the holdup here? Is it we want to see some guys on the outside, then hire Nick Sorensen who's already in the building? I don't know. But the defensive coordinator could indeed have an impact on to how they decide to construct their roster. You never know. These are conversations, I'm sure, that are being had in that room. But if you have a guy who likes Armstead and likes Hardgrave, that brings you back to the offense. If you're not trading Kittle and you're not trading two other premier high-paid players on your defense like Hargrave and Armstead, well, you have to go back to the offense. And one of the biggest players that's making one of the biggest cap hits that can also save you some money down the road, unfortunately, is Debo Samuel. Now, I go back and forth on this because San Francisco can afford to pay Debo and Ayuk. Again, I don't buy into the idea they can't afford to pay the people they want to pay. It's all about how they want to manipulate the cap and push things down the road. Look at the Saints. Did it all the time. Are still doing it now. The Chiefs are always doing it. But a player like Debo Samuel, you'd like to think that San Francisco is at least a little let down in how Debo's performed the past two years. Um, 2021... All pro season. But 2022, Debo himself said it was a trash year for him. And the and the film he put on tape, he never wanted to put on tape again. Now he was a lot better this year compared to 2022, but take this into my into account. In 2021, he was an all pro. Over 1,700 scrimmage yards and 14 total touchdowns. The last two years combined, again, Debo Samuel's bad years or other teams' top receivers' good years. No one's debating that. But his past two years combined, over 1,900 scrimmage yards, rushing and receiving yards combined, 17 total touchdowns, and missed seven total games. Um, I do think one issue with trading Debo, amongst many others, and I'm not saying trade on I'm just talking about, you know, what could be the logical steps to get there, is that we have seen this offense without Debo. Browns, Vikings, Bengals. Playoff games, the Packers, right? The Chiefs game in the Super Bowl. Debo gets hurt. Like, this offense looks different. We've seen Ayuk and Kittle just not be factors when Debo's not on the field. We've also seen Debo Samuel be injured in the biggest games. And I'm not saying that's going to irritate Kyle or, or, or John, but the way Debo Samuel plays the game, albeit very infectious, you can see he's the motor. He's the gasoline to keep the offense moving and trucking along during the year. He is their energy. He has the boom box, he's dancing, he's talking trash. Debo Samuel essentially is the San Francisco 49ers offense, right? He isn't Christian McCaffrey production-wise, but the energy he brings, 
the way he instills confidence in the guys. When Debo hits that field, you know you can win that game. When he misses games, you feel the lack of energy. You feel his presence not being on the gridiron. And I think for San Francisco, can you afford to lose that? Can you afford to go into an offseason where your team's like, we have Ayuk and we have Juwan Jennings and we have insert second or third receiver here, but maybe that receiver's quiet. He doesn't bring the energy Debo does. Maybe he's equally productive, but he just doesn't bring the oomph, the fire, the passion that Debo does physically, verbally, on the field. I don't think San Francisco can afford to lose that. But here's the thing. I don't think Devo Samuel is going anywhere this offseason. That doesn't mean the conversations being had this offseason are the tough ones, or, or the, the tough conversations being had inside uh, Niners HQ are meant for this offseason. Maybe they're meant for next offseason. Think about this for an example. This receiver class is loaded. We're talking loaded with like five premier number one receivers. And there's plenty of guys in that second and third round that can be impactful players. I myself love Malachi Corley. I also love Taj Washington. And that's only two guys of like 15 that are going to go through round two and three. And those guys can be impactful players day one. Here's the kicker, though. San Francisco has the hardest time drafting and playing receivers. You have to be the most specific, detail-oriented player, no block, no rock. You will find yourself in that doghouse so fast. That's another reason to be hesitant towards moving Debo. When you find a guy Kyle Shanahan loves and fits the offense, Debo, Ayuk, Jawan Jennings, they have a hard time finding somebody else behind them. Maybe it's Ronnie Bell. Maybe it is. I tell you who it's not. Not Danny Gray. Wasn't Dante Pettis. There are plenty of guys we've seen come along here they think can be an impactful player, and maybe are for half a season, like Dante Pettis. They have a hard time finding receivers to fit the mold they like. But, going back to my first point, this receiver class is loaded. Maybe San Francisco takes a young receiver like a Malachi Corley or somebody else. Pick anybody else. They might like that fits the mold of the offense. They could doghouse that player for a year. In next offseason, look at Debo Samuel and say, Wow, you're 29 years old. You can save $11 million, and you could essentially, if it occurs, avoid Debo Samuel's decline post-age 29. Debo Samuel does not play a brand of football that is sustainable. George Kittle, bigger body guy, plays tight end, uh, unfortunately doesn't have plays usually designed for him, whereas Debo Samuel has plays designed for him, and he takes brutal hits one after another, right? Devo Samuel does not play a brand of football that is sustainable. He's a great player. I love Debo. Like Bobo says here, him and Kittle should be Niners for life. Yes, I want to agree with you. But maybe these tough conversations are, hey, like, 
we can make a big splash next year, or we have to pay Brock Purdy next year. Let's draft Debo's replacement this year. You can doghouse him for all I care. You can have Kyle Shanahan, you know, light him, feed him dog food, put him on a leash and walk him around for all I care. Put that sucker in the doghouse. They could be planning something because they know they're going to have to shed money in the next few off-seasons. Then there's the next step here. Is that what can you get for an aging Debo Samuel? 29 years old, sure you can save money, but if you're not going to get a first-round pick for prime Debo, is it worth trading? Like, some fans don't understand this. I think you guys do, you're a bunch of smart people in here, but... Some fans don't understand. You cannot trade your trash for another team's treasure. That's not how it works. Brandon Ayuk's probably not going to get you a first-round pick this year. Now, Ayuk is not trash by any means. He's great. But because this receiver class is so loaded, um, teams are not willing to move off of their first-round picks to pay premier receiver when you can have a cheap one that could be better than Ayuk, who's already really good. But for Debo... There's always this risk of, if he trades you away, maybe it's a third-round pick, a fourth-round pick. Is that worth it? Probably not. Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk mean more to San Francisco than other teams. They matter more to this offense, this system, this regime, more than, let's say, the Giants or, let's say, the Vikings would. This Niners team needs players like Debo, like Ayuk, to sustain their excellence to sustain their winning ways uh, so not this year for Debo but I would not be surprised if some of those conversations are happening because like Khalid points out here Debo's cap hit is insane this year you're not trading Debo this offseason Eric Armstead okay that makes sense you can afford to lose Eric Armstead not Debo Samuel you can afford to trade Hargrave and pay four other guys on the defense, get a cornerback number two, get a linebacker to help Greenlaw's recovery, and get yourself an edge rusher, you can afford to lose one of those guys. You can't afford to lose Debo Samuel. I just mentioned one of the other guys here, though. Dre Greenlaw, right? I think with Dre Greenlaw, part of the conversation is we love him, we care about him so much, they're not going to cut... Dre Greenlaw. They're not going to trade Dre Greenlaw. But I do think there has to be a serious conversation of, hey, Achilles are tricky. He may never be the same. I hope he is. It's not meant to be negative, but Dre Greenlaw may never be the same. I think he is the most likely restructure candidate this offseason. You can free up some money by doing so. Um, if they traded Dre Greenlaw or cut him away, it would look really, really bad in that locker room. Uh, they drafted Dre. They care about Dre. They are not going to trade him or cut him. But if they did, it would turn that locker room against them so fast. You're going to trade away, cut one of the players that have been one of the emotional leaders in his worst state because he's what, quote-unquote, damaged goods now? No. This team is not doing that, but... It makes a ton of sense to restructure his contra contract knowing he's probably not going to be the Drain Greenlaw we know this year. Free up some money this year, push it back to next season again, put some void years in there, say, hey, we'll pay you, just not as much while you're hurt. That makes the most sense to me. 
You give Dre a chance to get healthy again, free up some money now. Maybe you can sign some vets, you know, round out your roster other areas. Maybe you can re-sign some players you like. Um, I'm thinking, you know, Warren Burks, if you want McLeod back. There are plenty of other players out there too, but cheaper options, cheaper vets to bring into like Chris Conley back. Maybe you want to bring back a uh, Demetrius Flanagan Fowles. Who knows? Maybe it's a veteran safety. Maybe Deshaun Gibson wants to come back, right? And he wants to back up Jair Brown or play this three safety set with him and Ufunga. I'm cool with that. George Odom is a free agent. You want to bring him back? Maybe it's about restructuring Greenlaw's contract to do some of that stuff. Um, I do want to mention one player here. Uh, Khalid brought him up earlier. What about Kyle Juszczyk? Juice, maybe. Um, the juice will not be loose this offseason. Um, one of two reasons why. <laughs> He's a fullback. <laughs> um, there's no way in heck this Niners team is going to release a an all-pro fullback. No other teams really use the fullback as much as San Francisco. The Dolphins do. The Ravens do. But Kyle Juszczyk's on that field 99% of the time. He is that integral into what they do. He is like a second center, like a fourth quarterback on the roster, right? He is that kind of player. He's so smart. He, he just knows where everything needs to be and goes. But, like, the juice ain't going to be loose. He's a locker room leader, well-respected, and you only save $2 million if you want to trade him. He's a little older. I get that. He's in his 30s, early 30s. Extend the guy. Fullbacks can play until they're 40. Lorenzo Neal played until he was like 42. These guys play forever. Extend Kyle Juszczyk, free up some money, bring him back. Uh, it just makes the most sense to do so. But we've talked about which could be the biggest stars if San Francisco, like Mil like Mike Silver says, I'm going to call them Milk Silver. Wouldn't that be funny? <laughs> Good old Milk Silver from the SF Chronicle. <laughs> um, what Mike Silver says, and this team's already having tough conversations. They want to go for it again. They're all in. What could those trades be? Again, the prime candidates to me are Eric Armstead and maybe even Javon Hargrave. Those are the two guys. Two guys that I do think could be on the outs. Uh, you can talk about which one makes more sense. The money makes sense. The age makes sense. And even the impact due to injuries might make sense to move one of those guys. It's a hard conversation to have, but, but, that I do think, and this goes back to, to, to Alex's question. What are your predictions for the offseason? Who potentially gets traded? Alex, I think San Francisco wants to bring back the entire team. The reality is, uh, that isn't always possible. Now, again, you can pay players, but I do think San Francisco finds themselves not in a retooling or recalibrating stage, but I do think they realize that, hey, we're getting older. Let's get younger. 11 draft picks certainly help that. I am one who does believe that they want to sign an edge rusher in the offseason. I think, maybe it's Chase Young, I do think San Francisco is going to find themselves signing an edge rusher and drafting a right tackle in the first round. That's what I think is going to happen. We'll talk about who in a second, but I do think my you know bold prediction this offseason is going to be San Francisco signing a premier edge rusher in the free agency and signing and drafting a right tackle in the first round. It fills both their needs. 
both huge needs right now. So whether it's Brian Burns or Daniil Hunter or Chase Young or somebody else, I do think they're going to sign a big name edge rusher and draft a right tackle. Uh, Kali again asked a question. What do I think of Brian Thomas Jr., wide receiver LSU? Uh, I think Brian Thomas is one of those players that you draft towards the end of the first round. Um, he's not, you know, Marvin Harrison, obviously. He's not Romo Dunes. Uh, he, I think he'll be, like, my biggest concern is he goes to Kansas City, and I'm like, God, <laughs> like, Rasheed Rice and, and Brian Thomas, bigger body guy, can go up and get it. I like him a lot. I just don't think, like, for San Francisco, they're not drafting Brian Thomas. Um, but I do think he's probably, what, the receiver four or five in the first round this year. And I do think we could see ourselves with, you know, five or six, maybe even seven first-round receivers, Brian Thomas being one of them. I'm moving along here, though. Uh, so, I already made my bold claim. Edge rusher in free agency, big-name guy, and drafting a right tackle. So, who's out there? If San Francisco is, I don't want to say infatuated, but let's say San Francisco is indeed looking to make a splash, looking to make a big move and, and shake things up, whether it's, you know, they, they signed Mooney Ward two years ago, they surprisingly signed Javon Hargrave this past offseason. Who could this year's Hargrave be? If they're going to trade Armstead, you got to make that worth its buck. You got to get the bang for the buck, right? Who could those players be? So I have some stars, some veteran players, some premier players on this list. Not a lot of them, but a handful that could make sense to add to the roster. Um, and I have their projected annual salaries next to their names. Some of these guys are going to say, oh my god, yes. Some guys are going to say, huh, I don't know about. Hear me out, though. The first one, and this will make Brad Graham ecstatic, is Brian Burns. San Francisco, which is so funny because the Panthers didn't trade Brian Burns when they could have got two first-round draft picks for him. Then they aren't going to franchise tag him because they want to extend him. You can always franchise tag somebody, then renegotiate the contract. <laughs> I don't really understand what the Panthers are doing, but another team's stupidity could lead to our success. So, Brian Burns, he's going to make a ton of money, going to cost you a ton of money. $22 million projected annually. But, depending on San Francisco's defensive coordinator, could the Niners trade a Hargrave trade Eric Armstead and say, let's allocate that money to getting the best edge rushers on the market, Bosa and Brian Burns. Now, the money's going to be tricky here. You'd be paying more money for Brian Burns than an Armstead, probably than a, Jav a Javon Hargrave. But if you're in uh, the business of winning football games and going for it, you're getting a young premier player in the best system he's ever going to play in, most likely, in the prime of his career. You're getting the best Brian Burns you're ever going to get, and you pair him with Nick Bosa. I mean, my goodness. You would... I'm trying to think of some of the best edge rushing tandems. Like, they will be number one. They're better than than uh, High Smith and TJ Watt with the Pittsburgh Steelers. It's, it's a long shot, but I'm just saying, if you're going to get rid of elite-level, high-paid players, why not go out and get the Golden Goose himself, Brian Burns? Certainly an option... The highest of the highest options out there when it comes to price, but probably the best production value 
you're going to get on the market. That's certainly an option if they do indeed free up space by trading away Hargrave or Armstead. Then you have a veteran player, an older player, but you have Daniil Hunter. $20 million projected annual salary, but I think with Daniil Hunter, who's been around for, what, a decade now, feels like he has double-digit sacks every single season, veteran player, he's savvy, um, he's a player that's always kind of mocked via trade to San Francisco, um, they got Chase Young this past year and Randy Gregory, Hunter was always in that conversation of, could he be a Niner, he'd be so great to fit here, um, I do think Hunter, now a free agent, makes a lot of sense, um, again, older, maybe you don't want to pay, you know, he's not like an old man, but older than Brian Burns, I'll say, uh, been around for a long time, around the block, knows how to play, uh, knows how to win football games for you, is going to be kind of a guaranteed value pickup for your team. He also is someone who is kind of playing fickle with the Vikings for a long time, so he can get kind of emotional in that room of like, I want to be here, I don't want to be here. Maybe that plays a factor, but again, this Niners defense was at its best when they had two premier edge rushers, Nick Bosa and D. Ford. D. Ford had the injuries. They've been trying to replace him for years. They just can't do it. Cullen Farrell, Drake Jackson, Chase Young, Gregory, and others. Ebukam was here. Like, they're still looking for that guy opposite Nick Bosa. Some vets help. Farrell's great. Bring him back. Drake Jackson's hurt. Hope he gets healthy. When he gets back, hope he plays well. He still has promise there. I do think if you bring in someone like a Daniel Hunter, you are going to bolster your defensive line to a point probably with a higher impact than an Eric Armstead. Like, like imagine a defensive line that had Bosa, Hargrave, and Hunter. Or Bosa, Hargrave, and Burns. You're giving yourself three double-digit sack players on the defensive line. Is it wishful thinking? Sure. But that's what you have to do when you're trading away, potentially, your stars. And if you're going to trade Armstead, you're going to trade Hargrave away, you got to bring another star in to supplement that production. Uh, Hunter makes a lot of sense to me. Cheaper than Brian Burns, you can probably add some void years to Hunter's contract to make those first couple years uh, less cap-reliant for you. Older player, you can sign him until he's 34. I think he's 31 now, maybe I'm wrong there, but... You can have him until he's 34, add some void because at the end, free up some cap early and give yourself some more maneuvering to make a move. Um, the next guy was rumored to be on San Francisco's trade list during this season. Prior to acquiring Chase Young and after acquiring Randy Gregory, this player was kind of numero uno on San Francisco's, you know, who do you want to acquire list, and that is cornerback Jalen Johnson of the Bears. Now, a lot of talk can be made of does San Francisco need an outside corner opposite Mooney Ward or do they need to go acquire a nickelback and move Lenore back outside? Nickelbacks are always, always going to be cheaper than a number two, number one outside cornerback opposite Mooney Ward. I am someone who says if you want to be cheaper here, if you want to go and acquire a big-name edge rusher, you're going to have to sign a cheaper nickelback and move Lenore back outside. Um, 
I do think that for San Francisco, Jalen Johnson, if they want to improve the secondary, like let's say they hired Dave Merritt from Kansas City. He's a defensive backs coach, coach linebackers too, but he's a DB coach the past couple of years with the Chiefs. Maybe he's like, hey, like you give me Mooney, you give me Jair Brown-Ufunga, then you give me Lenore and Jalen Johnson. Uh, it don't matter how much pressure you guys are going to get at the quarterback. We're going to lock down their entire receiving core. Travis Kelsey's not going to be a factor. <laughs> like, don't worry about it, folks. We got this thing taken care of. Um, this is the unlikeliest option to me. I just think San Francisco values trenches out first. Um, I have a hard time believing that they're going to go sign a big-name cornerback. Uh, even Mooney Ward, for as great as he's been, is a bargain. It sounds weird saying so, but he's a bargain. Like, he was great, and he has been great since he got here, but... Um, I just think San Francisco likes to build out, in, then out. They're not going to go out from in, but again, San Francisco has said they want to get back to their identity defensively, hence why they fired Steve Wilkes, hence why guys like Nick Sorensen, Daniel Bullocks are kind of the in-house top options um, outside of Staley and Dave Merritt. They want to get back to who they are, who they are is trenches out first, um, and even with Steve Wilkes, they wouldn't got Chase Young. They wouldn't got Hargrave. They wouldn't got Gregory. They still want to be a trenches out defense. Um, Johnson, albeit like Khalil says here, Johnson, Mooney Ward, Dima Huff, and, and Jair Brown would be insane off the chain. Yeah, it would be awesome. We're talking about ball hawks everywhere, but um, I have to believe that they're going to go trenches out first in Jalen Johnson to me. At $15 million a pop, almost $16 million a year. Doesn't make a lot of sense. I'll beat you getting a cornerback in the prime of, of, of his career. He's like, what, 24, 25? He's insanely young, and he's awesome. But I do think the Bears want to bring him back. They got the edge rushers now. They're a young team. Two first-round draft picks. You'd be dumb to let Jalen Johnson leave your team in the offseason knowing you're building something there. And I would like to think if the Bears get the quarterback right, um they might make the playoffs next year. I have a good feeling about the Bears the next the next year or two. Um, the other cornerback on my list is Kendall Fuller at around $14 million annual salary per Spotrack. Um, Fuller, ironically, a former Chief, uh, I do think he makes a lot of sense opposite Mooney Ward. If San Francisco is in the business of signing another outside cornerback, um, you get Kendall Fuller out of Washington. You get Kendall Fuller in a place where he has a solid defensive line, a coordinator that knows what they're doing that's not in Washington. I love Ron Rivera. He's just not a great head coach. He just could not put it together defensively in Washington. You get Kendall Fuller in here, a little cheaper than Johnson, veteran player, a little more savvy, won some big games. I do think you can probably get him for probably cheaper than his annual value might say at $14 million. I think more around 12 and you can give him a three-year deal, kind of like Daniel Hunter was, structure that thing right, add some void years onto it, and find yourself a number two solid cornerback while keeping Lenore on the inside. Um, that, to me, is kind of a, although still high-end option, more of a sneaky kind of value pick kind of like Mooney Ward was two years ago for San Francisco. Uh, but again, 
It all comes down to how they want to build the roster and construct the defense. Then there's the big one. Then there is Chase Young. What do you, you what do you do with Chase Young? Um, I, for one, do not want Chase Young back. Um, the efforts to back and forth, to up and down, uh, with this team knowing they're stacked, knowing they are going to be in the playoffs next year, most likely, fingers crossed, knowing that they want to go for it again, I would not want a player in that room taking plays off. I think people made too big of a deal of the Lions' first half, albeit I think it was an indication as to where this team's head was. That, oh, we should beat this team. I don't have to play this play. I can take a play off here or there. No. You need to be 100% all the time. Like, I hate to say it, but Dre Greenlaw is 110% every second. Now, him being too amped, having a pre-decent injury with the, with the Achilles may have cost him a season or so, but... I'd rather have that energy where you're just like, I am ready to go 24-7 than Chase Young who's like, yeah, I'll play a half. <laughs> like, no, like, I'd rather you be productive. There were also games where Chase Young just wasn't in the box score at all. No tackles, maybe a couple pressures here or there, but then no sacks. And sacks and tackles aren't everything, right? There are plenty of games that Armstead and Hargrave aren't in those categories either, but um, I'm not paying elite money. I'm not paying elite money for Chase Young. And even Spotrack, which they can be wrong here, they only have him signing a one-year contract for $13 million. I don't think the... Like, here's the thing about Chase Young. I don't think Chase Young's market's gonna be there. He did not pick up value playing for this team. He did not pick up value in Washington the past couple years. Chase Young's stock, to me, has only gotten lower since he got drafted. Now, projection, potential, it's still there. But I don't think Chase Young's making $15 million next year. I don't think he's making $13 million. Like, I talked to guys in Washington... They asked me about, you know, what did I think of Chase Young? And there were a handful of times it was like, he's playing like a backup edge rusher. You're not getting elite level money if you're playing like a backup edge rusher. There were games this year, Clelton Farrell was out playing Chase Young. Like, Clelton Farrell was a backup edge rusher. He's a starter for a bad team, Right. I'm not paying Chase Young $13 million. Now, you want to talk about $10 million? $8 million a year? Okay, I can do that. But, I, but I'm not paying a player who was taking plays off. I don't care how much Nick Bosa likes the guy. Sorry. Sorry. This It's not going to happen. Now, there is a player that could make Nick Bosa very happy, but could be the biggest factor in who they decide to hire for defensive coordinator, that being Nick Bosa's brother, Joey Bosa. Now, Joey, still under contract with the Chargers. They have to release him or trade him, which most likely going to be released if he's moved at all. Joey Bosa's a good player. If you bring in Joey Bosa, you're not hiring Brandon Staley. You're just not doing it. But, Joey Bosa's often hurt, often injured, and... 
if I'm San Francisco, I am happy to have the younger, healthier, and better Bosa brother. I'm not going to sign Chase Young or Joey Bosa to make Nick happy. I will hire and hear Nick's opinion on the defensive coordinator because production will make Nick happy. Getting sacks, saccharoonies, baby, those will make Nick happy. I'm not going to, hey, Nick, who do you want us to sign? Chase or your brother? I'm not having that conversation. I'm sorry. Joey's hurt. He's aging. Like, the dude is always off the field. I don't want that here. I don't want Chase at $13 million, and I don't want Joey Bosa. Pro Bowl player, all pro, all pro player, his prime is behind him. I would rather pay more money for Daniel Hunter and Brian Burns. I'd rather go sign Clellan Farrell, Yannick Ngakwe, and Yannick Ngakwe is not the player he once was. Like, my God, it's not the same guy he once was. I, I do not want Joey Bosa here. I get it. It's cool. We got the Bosa bros. Got the Bosa bros. Have the Buckeye bros. Cool. Injuries and effort for Young and Bosa have just not been there. I do not want to sign them <laughs> at the contracts they're going to be asking for. Now, I will say this. San Francisco likes to zig when other teams zag. One way San Francisco could maybe overcompensate for that third down where nobody blocks Chris Jones is going out and signing Mike Onwenu from the Patriots. You get yourself a right guard, you make your interior offensive line so much better, and then you still give yourself a chance to draft the right tackle, giving Brock Purdy and really any quarterback under Kyle Shanahan in San Francisco the best off the best offensive line they've ever had. Like that is certainly an option. Now, while that is building trenches out, I think San Francisco values the idea of drafting a right tackle in the first round, moving McKivitz inside to right guard, guard, excuse me, and re-signing John Feliciano, and then having Burford either be your swing tackle, cutting him entirely, or seeing what you can do with him in training camp and OTAs. Um, I think the best route for San Francisco this offseason is if you are going to trade one of your stars, whether it's Armstead, Hargrave, if you have the idea of moving off a Debo Samuel after this year, and that's one of these tough conversations they're having drafting his replacement now, doghousing him, letting him go crazy next year, okay. But if you're going to move one of your stars now, I think the best route is signing a Daniel Hunter, going out for a Brian Burns, not paying a lot for Chase Young if you want to retain him and bring him back Clone Farrell. Kind of rounding out, finishing up your edge rushing group in free agency, then signing... A, or then drafting a player in the first round right tackle. Everyone's saying Tyler Guyton. I do think if you get Tyler Guyton, it makes a lot of sense, and you would also add valuable depth to your right side of your offensive line. McKivitz goes inside, bring back Feliciano. Burford does whatever he wants at that point. And if Feliciano wins that job, McKivitz goes back to being your swing tackle, only making your depth so much better. I do think it's an option. Um, Renee on Facebook, 
says, what about Chop Robinson from Penn State replacing Chase Young? You know, not that I'm out on the idea of drafting an edge rusher. I just think the way and where this team is at, they need, like, it's it's much more feasible to draft a right tackle in the first round. Like, don't forget, San Francisco is picking at the end of each round. Their first round pick is basically a second round pick. Their second round pick is basically a third round pick. Like, they're not going to get the top guys, but they already have Drake Jackson, second round pick. Um, he's hurt. I get that. Supposed to be ready to go. And I like Chop. He's a good player. Nothing against him. I just think it makes more sense for this roster, where they're at currently, to sign and round out the edge rushing group in free agency. I'd much, much rather have a a young right tackle. Like this right this tackle group is extremely good. You're in a position to, in a way, draft uh, Trent Williams' replacement, but also having that player still still play right tackle this year. Like it makes a lot of sense in regards to what San Francisco wants to do. Is like it would make more sense for San Francisco to sign an edge rusher, whether it's Josh Allen, Brian Burns, Hunter, then trade up for a right tackle. Go and get your guy. I don't know who that's going to be. We'll obviously find out, but go and get your guy. Go get the right tackle you want in that first round, whether it's trading up from 31 to 20, getting into the teens. Do what you have to do to make your starters on your offensive line better after you've already, you know, kind of created the, the defensive line group you want, right? Like, imagine going into next year. And it's always, you know, wishful thinking, right? You have Bosa, you have Hargrave. Let's say, let's say Armstead's traded away, right? You have Bosa, you have Hargrave. Let's say you go and sign Daniel Hunter. Then you have Clell and Farrell. And you have Drake Jackson. Okay, well, that's five pretty good defensive edge rushers or, or defensive linemen, okay? Then you can go sign a defensive tackle for cheap. Now, I haven't checked him out yet, but imagine signing or, or drafting Chris Jenkins' kid in, in the draft. Second round. Like, you can find valuable defensive tackles in this draft. You can find valuable offensive tackles in this draft to fill more of a need. And I think... While the edge rushing group is good, you're not going to find the instant impact player that you will find in free agency compared to the draft. There's just so many better proven talents in free agency, and if you're going to move off of one of your stars, which is what Mike Silver is kind of alluding to here, of like, hey, I've heard something, um, it may or may not happen, but it's certainly a conversation being had. Um, okay, if you're going to do that, trading away one of your stars, you might as well go replace them with, albeit a cheaper option, a much more position of need, like edge rusher. Like, there really is no right tackles in free agency. You have a guard in Owen Wu, but your best value is signing an edge rusher in free agency, drafting a right tackle, and figuring out the defensive line on the interior for cheap veteran options and drafting players. Like that to me that is the easiest route to go. It's it's so much easier to buy into that route 
when it comes to the offseason plan. And look, when the draft kind of comes up post-combine, we'll dive into who I like, who I don't like, you know, who should they target here. This is just a preliminary, like, if you're going to get rid of your stars, who can you target list. We'll dive into Chop Robinson, who I think they'll get picked. We'll go into mock drafts and whatnot. But right now, pre-NFL combine, during the combine, my entire brain is draft the right tackle, sign an edge rusher if you're going to trade your stars away, and then you can figure out the interior defensive line elsewhere. Like there, there's an easy path to victory with that mindset. Now, again, guys have to go out there and play and execute things, but that like you can sell me on that and I'll buy in 110%. 110%. Like this team is not gonna trade Trent Williams. They're not trading Kittle, they're not trading Ayuk, they're not trading Use Check or Greenlaw. Hargrave and Armstead, maybe. Money makes sense, health makes sense, production declining especially with Armstead, makes sense. Um, it's tough to move your stars, tough to sell your fan base on moving your stars away, right? This team, this fan base, didn't like the Buckner trade, okay? This team, albeit was the right move, the fan base did not like getting Trey Lance. They wanted to keep Jimmy, and Brock Purdy's now here. This fan base... It's tough to sell trading away a player that's been important to you winning, right? You can go get a Chris McCaffrey easily. This team didn't have an RB1. It's really hard to sell a fan base on trading away a star that has helped you win multiple games, multiple playoff games. But I do think if there is one, if not two, it's Hargrave and Armstead. And I'm leaning towards Eric Armstead. Now, it may not happen but if it does happen, there is a path to signing an elite edge rusher, drafting a right tackle, freeing up money in the process, re-signing Brandon Ayuk, bringing back Jawan Jennings, and you can sell me on that more than anything right now. If you have any more questions, get them in the chat. Only a few more minutes here. I have to go to work. There's a Warrior game tonight. <laughs> um, but look, I'll just tell you this. With what Mike Silver is saying, it does feel like there is a path for San Francisco to acquire another big name. One of the biggest names out there. If they go and sign and hire Dave Merritt as their defensive coordinator, it's not like the Chiefs in San Francisco have not been trade partners before. You got D. Ford, Alex Smith... Don't forget the Jonathan Baldwin, A.J. Jenkins trade. <laughs> what about Sneed? It's a weird thing to say, but what about Sneed? They want to use the cap, uh, the, the, the franchise tag on him. He wants a new contract. It will be ironic, yet somehow fitting, if Casey and San Francisco come together one more time. I don't think it's going to happen, but wouldn't that be crazy? With what Mike Silver's saying, and I'll read it again if you're just joining us. More likely, and I quote, more likely, Shanahan and Lynch will fight through their shared trauma, get off the mat, and come out swinging. Something that could lead to aggressive moves in the draft and free agency and result in potential trades. You can bet that Shanahan and Lynch are scheming 
tough decisions might be coming, possibly involving productive players who've had a big role in the franchise's recent run of success. According to organization sources, many tough conversations are already being contemplated. It does not mean anything is going to concretely happen. It just means those conversations are being had. And when you narrow down your focus, there's only a handful of players that make sense contractually, age-wise, and production-wise to move off of. They just happen to play the exact same position. <laughs> Javon Hargrave and Eric Armstead. And if you look at that last part, right there, Tough decisions might be coming, possibly involving productive players who've had a big role in the franchise's recent run of success. If that does not scream Eric Armstead, I have no idea who else they're talking about. You can't afford to trade Debo, now at least. You're not trading Ayuk away unless he wants massive money you can't afford to pay. And I would like to assume you're going to extend restructure and re-sign Juszczyk, Dre Greenlaw, and Mooney Ward. You're not moving Kittle. You're not moving Trent Williams. You're going to re-sign Brock Purdy next offseason. There's only a handful of players that have been on this team's recent run of success, making big money or aging, and you can look at the production and say, hmm, it's not where you once were. I love Eric Armstead. Underrated player. It makes a ton of sense to move off of him. If you want to read the article, it's San Francisco Chronicle. Mike Silver did a great job with it. You can tell he's he's been covering this team for like 30 years. In the 80s, he covered what John Lynch was he when he was playing in the NFL. He knows Kyle Shanahan, knows Mike Shanahan. He is in the know. He knows what's going on. Someone told him something and he couldn't hide it, that doesn't mean they're going to trade anybody, but it just means they're at least having those conversations. I do think there's a possibility we're sitting back on a lazy Thursday morning during free agency, like, who is San Francisco going to sign? I hope it's these five cheap veteran players, they take a big swing, get a second round pick in the draft, and you're like, oh crap, Armstead's gone. And you're like, man, and they go and sign a Daniel Hunter. And you're like, oh, like we are we are ramping back up. This team is probably more hungry than ever for a championship. They were hungry in 2020 after losing to the Chiefs then. They were hungry this past year, getting Chase Young, getting Gregory, being aggressive. Every time they've lost, they have addressed a, a position of need. Cornerback, Mooney Ward. When it was... Mosley and Ambry Thomas, what'd they do? Sign Mooney Ward. When Jimmy G wasn't cutting it, what'd they do? Let's go get Trey Lance. When Elijah Mitchell and Jeff Wilson Jr. were often hurt, what'd they do? Give me Chris McCaffrey. When Drake Jackson wasn't playing well and Clellan Farrell wasn't the number two option on the edge opposite Nick Bosa, what'd they do? Went and got Gregory. Went and got Chase Young. When... When Staley was retiring, what did they do? They went and acquired Trent Williams. This team is not one to stay idle. Sometimes you have to be. But it seems like they're gearing back up to make a big move. Who knows what that is? 
I'm just doing my due diligence as to see, hey, it could be Eric Armstead. Could be Javon Hargrave. It makes a lot of sense for those two guys to be out the door. Anyways, thank you guys for listening. Thank you guys for watching. Uh, this offseason is going to be a lot of fun. Combines this weekend, draft in what, almost a month and a half now, two months now. We are on our way towards the 2024-2025 NFL season. I cannot wait to get there. Thank you for watching, listening. Don't forget to like, share, subscribe, leave that review. Follow us on social media. 49ers.access is the Instagram. 49ers underscore access is the Twitter. You can use our promo code 49ersaccess49. E-R-S-A-C-C-E-S-S at SeatGeek.com and save yourself $20 off your first purchase. Down below in the comments, tell me who you think this team could trade, who you'd want them to acquire if they did indeed trade one of their stars. Tell me what you want to see this team do this offseason. Who do you want in the draft? Tell me your plan if this team is going to make big moves this offseason a long ways to go for ramping back up into the nfl season my name is sterling bennett saying thank you for watching thank you for listening and as always stay faithful <laughs>